You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. This is a hurried episode of Uprooted. Today is the deadline for the Trump administration to submit an intent to sign a free trade agreement on the North American Free Trade Agreement in order for uh, the current Congress and Mexican president to be able to approve the deal. I'm talking with Karen Hansen Kuhn about the press conference that was held on Monday between the U.S. and Mexican president and how that affects the deadline this week. But a lot of what uh, this is a speculation because, frankly, we don't know what is in the agreement and what the Canadians may or may not agree to. As we're, we were recording uh, news of uh, new remarks that were off the record from President Trump came out, and uh, that may have slowed the negotiation down today. So we just don't know. It's a fast-moving day. So I hope you are able to learn something interesting on the podcast. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. All right. So um, talk a bit about what was in that announcement that came out on Monday. Well, it was, uh, you know, there was a press conference uh, that included President Trump and President Peña Nieto from Mexico announcing that uh, they agreed that there should be an agreement. Um, It is, you know, it was a very informal kind of thing. And it was interesting, I think, uh, even in that press conference that President Trump made a lot of statements about the importance of the agreement between Mexico and the United States, where Peña Nieto said three times that they want Canada on board as well. Uh, Trump has indicated he'd be fine just moving forward with Mexico. Um, But the next day, um, the trade minister from, the foreign minister from Canada, Christia Freeland, flew back to Washington, D.C. to engage in negotiations. So we don't know a lot. In fact, I would say that there's, on the key issues, there's more we don't know than what we know. Um, but USTR did put out three fact sheets that have some information, uh, including one on agriculture. Uh, so there are some indications there of what might be happening. Um, but as I said, there's some of the key issues are really still up in the air. I would say the two things um, that most people are, are concerned about that we simply don't have information. Uh, one is, is labor rights and investor state dispute settlement. On labor rights, um, there has been a big push for enforceable labor and environmental standards in NAFTA that would have provisions that are a lot stronger than what we've seen in previous trade agreements. Um, what we have seen, there's very little written, you know, in the public announcements from USTR. What the unions have said so far is they are encouraged by progress, but they think they should keep working. So it's not good enough yet. Um, you know, so, so that is something apparently that is still being worked out. Um, on environmental issues, I think environmental groups even if there were enforceable environmental standards, some of the things, the standards they're talking about are somewhat not core to environmentalist concerns, which are really about energy. Uh, And I think most environmental groups are so, you know, battling so many other fronts on environmental policy with the Trump administration, you know, including the fact that they will not include Paris Climate Accord commitments in this trade agreement that, there's really no chance that he's going to get support for environmental clauses in NAFTA. Mm -hmm. On investor state dispute settlement, uh, ISDS, that is that provision that lets companies sue governments 
for compensation over public interest laws that might affect their profits. Um, it's hugely controversial and USTR Lighthizer uh, has indicated, you know, in, numer in numerous times, including in, in testimony to the Senate, that he thinks this is an unnecessary provision that should be scaled back or eliminated. Um, this is something that has been a unifying uh, concern among different civil society sectors. And it may be um, that the reach of ISDS is scaled back in this agreement, but we simply do not know yet. Um, and I don't know, you know, so one question for the announcement that might come out is if they give more details on that, because what we've seen so far is, uh, is very limited. Uh, so I think those are some of the major issues to start with. Yeah, and on, on agriculture, the, the, the big news is that there's not much news. Um, the, the tariffs are basically going to remain low or at zero. Um, the, the one area where we think there um, has also been changes is in um, uh, food safety regulations um, and uh, genetic, genetically modified food or, or bioengineered food. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because what we were talking about earlier in the week is that this might be at odds with what the new Mexican president, um, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, uh, is looking to do with agricultural policy in Mexico. So, you know, from what we know, uh, from there was one of the, the fact sheets was on agriculture. And from what we can tell from that, you're right, um, they announced as an achievement that what we had before continues, that the tariffs are zero. Um, and that there will be new uh, language on agricultural biotechnology, uh, which we think means uh, facilitating the flow, not only of GMOs, but of other, and I think they mentioned this too, other new technologies, such as the use of nanotechnology in food or gene editing, uh, things for which we really don't have rules yet. Uh, so that is a big concern. And then uh, the other thing I think is important, um, the two countries would agree not to use safeguard mechanisms they have available at, under the WTO rules. So this would be temporary tariff protections that countries can invoke in the wake of a drop in prices or some sudden change that threatens their agriculture sector. It's a right countries have under WTO rules. Um, although it's, it's complicated to use it, and it's been the subject of debate for a long time that that right should be expanded. So taken together, those three things, more ag biotech, um, zero tariffs, and taking away the ability to shelter markets is a huge challenge to what President Lopez Obrador says he wants to do. He has endorsed this Plan de Ayala, uh, 21st century plan of coming from hundreds of farm organizations in Mexico. And since then, uh, the way that plan is taking shape, the, the major goal is to uh, recover food production in Mexico, to, uh, to achieve food self-sufficiency in certain basic grains, including corn, wheat, rice, uh, I think it's milk. Um, and so, so that means, oh, and beans. Um, and as well as, you know, new mechanisms to make sure that small-scale farmers benefit and to get more uh, food into, in food baths, use public procurement as a tool to benefit rural economies. Well, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me 
that they could achieve self-sufficiency in corn, for example, without some kind of ability to limit the cheap corn coming into Mexico. I mean, this is why they're in that problem. You know, U.S. corn is exported at below the cost of production. According to our calculations, in 2017, uh, corn was exported at 9% below the cost of production. So it doesn't make any sense to me that they can have, it's a big contradiction between this goal of recovering local food production, which I think is a great idea, and this commitment not to use any tools to allow that to happen. Um, so I, that is a big concern. Right. And that's, so this is just, you know, uh, sort of a top line analysis of this agreement with Mexico, but now as you said, um, President Peña Nieto uh, made it very clear that Canada needs to be part of the mix. And, um, you know, in the press conference, aside from saying, well, Mexico is going to buy so much from our farmers, um, Trump also went after Canada's dairy supply management system, which, you know, from our analysis and some of our partner analysis is, is really what's enabling family farmers to stay on their land in Canada, right? Right. So dairy was one of the only sectors that was excluded from the original NAFTA in terms of trade with, with Canada. And there are still very high tariffs. And that's what he mentioned in the press conference, these unreasonable tariffs, unreasonable limits on U.S. dairy exports to Canada. In fact, we do export to Canada. But Canada has this important program, balancing supply and demand of dairy products in ways that benefit farmers, so farmers stay on the land, and consumers, so the prices stay stable and are not unreasonably high. That can only work if they don't have a flood of imports coming in from other places that underprice local production. It's politically a very popular program in Canada, uh, so it's hard to see how they could really eliminate it. I think you know, and what we've heard from different farm organizations in the United States, such as the National Family Farm Coalition or National Farmers Union, is that they don't see this as a solution. You know, we have massive overproduction of dairy at very low prices in the United States. Even if we completely eliminate export restrictions to Canada, it would be just, so to speak, a drop in the bucket of solving this problem. It wouldn't solve the U.S. problem. Instead, we should be learning from how this pro program has worked, what there is we might want to use in our country. Yeah, you know, um, our colleague Sophia Murphy was interviewed on the radio yesterday, I want to say, and sh uh, the quote that she had was, uh, Canadian consumers may pay a higher price for dairy, but American taxpayers pay a much higher price for dairy. Um, that the, um, because we encourage so much overproduction, it really tanks the price, and it's kind of how U.S. farm policy is designed, right? Right. I mean, since the 96 Farm Bill, that's it's get big or get out, rely on, on high production levels, no matter how low the prices go. It's, it's in so many ways an unsustainable system. Um, so as we're talking, I, I, uh, I'm getting this uh, emails and Twitter notifications that apparently some off-the-record comments that uh, – President Trump has made about Canadian no negotiators have tanked any progress that could be made today. Um, okay. But uh, despite that, um, what are we looking for at, uh, today and in coming days, I guess, as um, if, they, if they were to submit something today, what would happen? 
Well, under fast track rules, um, Trump would need to notify Congress of his intent to sign an agreement 90 days before he does so. Um, and the whole idea here has been to, for the outgoing Mexican president, Peña Nieto, to sign before President Lopez Obrador comes in on December 1st. Um, so that has been what's, what's been guiding all of this. So it's unclear if they'll, they'll reach that target. But um, also what happens is 30 days after they send notice, uh, they'll have to publish the actual text of the agreement. So first of all, it will only be at that point that we actually know what's been agreed to. Um, but it also means probably if they had the major agreements down, they could keep tinkering with it for a while until that deadline of the, the in, for 30 more days. Um, so that is our best guess at what happens. It seems that even if they were to meet both of those deadlines, it seems very unlikely that this Congress would vote on it since they couldn't even sign it until December. So it would probably be voted on by the next U.S. Congress and the next Mexican Congress. Uh, the Mexican Congress, by the way, takes office tomorrow. Um, so it will be also a changed political scenario there. There is a question whether or not a, if, if, if talks were to break down with Canada, whether or not there's even standing for a U.S.-Mexico agreement, right? There are a lot of questions, and I think it's really unresolved now whether they can do that or not. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see what they do. It's also true that Congress could vote to change the rules, you know, if it's right. something they're enthusiastic about. We, do, we just don't know. There are a lot of unknowns right now. Yeah, and just like many other things that the Trump administration has done, this could end up getting decided in court. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Karen, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you.